0: We are so privileged to have such wonderful music. So grateful to each of you are here this morning. We are here in the house of the Lord on the Lord's day. It is the Lord's day. That's what scripture calls it. It's, uh, that means we're supposed to honor the Lord on the Lord's day. And Thank you for honoring the Lord by being here. What a wonderful crowd on this foggy morning. And for those of you that... I know couldn't be here for some medical reason, some temporary reason. We love you and we're grateful that you're joining us online. And we look forward to hugging your neck soon and welcoming you here in the services. One brother I was mentioning before the service or talking to, he said, boy, it's so glad to be able to be back in the household. And so I'm grateful for those of you that can do that. All right, well, let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter 5, a Sermon on the Mount. In September of this year, you may have recalled the international news item, a three-year-old boy wearing only a sweatshirt and a diaper was found sitting in a creek cupping water in his hands to drink. An astounding three days and nights after he was lost in the rugged Australian woodlands. Hundreds of people had been searching for him. I think we actually have a picture. There we go. <laughs> Hundreds of people had been searching for him using every Method at their disposal, with a person that young and the elements being so severe, time was of the essence. When the world rejoiced at his being found, only a few weeks later, about a month later, a three-year-old Texas boy, Christopher Ramirez, was found safe, dehydrated, found alive after being missing in the woods for four days. Again, hundreds of volunteers, loved ones, others, rally together day and nights. They did everything possible to find this lost boy. The last story I share is not so warm. It's a heartbreaker. A couple of years ago, I read of a Kansas father who was there standing dead, standing, excuse me, over the dead body of his little son next to a large wheat field. His son had been missing for several days and they found him. They had worked so hard to find this little child, but the frigid knights had claimed their victim. Many had joined the search The weeping father said these words, and it is powerful. Oh, God, if we had only joined hands sooner, if we had only found out sooner. Brothers and sisters, today we live in a world of dear lost children, people, men and women and precious boys and girls. They are out in the field of this world. And they cannot find their father's house. They cannot see above the weed of the world. They are perishing in the cold, frigid night of sin. And when morning dawns, it will be too late. Today, we have the single greatest recorded sermon in history. Our Lord himself, in one setting, in a wide gamut of topics, just kind of fire hose style, just laid it on. He began with telling them how they could be happy personally, how they could be happy in their marriage. Now he kind of turns the table after he tells them how to be happy, how to have these amazing virtues that will make them such different people. Now he says, there's a reason for this. I want you to be the salt and today I want you to be the light. You need to Go through this life and search and do everything you can through the fields and through the forests and through the uh, world to bring people, lost people to the light. Even one light can make a huge difference. But if all of you would join together, can you imagine him there looking at those wonderful people, hundreds, perhaps thousands, maybe even tens of thousands? There, gather on that hillside. Imagine the difference we could make if each one of you would go into your community and be the salt and to preserve it. If you would be the light and find the lost ones, what a difference we could make. And so this morning, you are the light in the darkness. That's a simple message, but a great, profound truth in these verses. Let's all bow for prayer. Father, this morning, We are so grateful for the opportunity to find the lost ones. Lord, help us to be the light. Help us to have the light and to let the light be in us and then shine to others. God, give us that strength and power and Holy Spirit. I pray that all of our minds would be put together on this one truth. In Christ's name, amen. Last week, we began to speak about the salt. Today... We talk about the light. Let's go to chapter 5 of the book of Matthew. This same sermon is found in a more abbreviated form in the book of Luke. But here in the book of Matthew, it is full, it is wonderful, and it is powerful. Let's read together verses 14, 15, and 16. We'll be reading from the authorized version, sometimes known as the King James Version. If you don't have one, you can just get it on your phone there, or you can... See the overhead here. And even if you're home, I want you to read this out loud because uh, out loud, the Bible uh, reminds us that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I think it does some good. I found myself, even when I pray often, I pray out loud in private. I believe God is a certain blessing to that. All right, let's go to verse 14, 15 and 16. Let's all read it together. Ready, begin. Salt and light are similar in the fact that they both have to be applied to be of any use. When salt is applied, it goes inward and it disappears from sight. When light is applied, it goes outward and it always appears. Salt, in this passage, speaks of our sanctimony. Light speaks of our testimony. What is the light for? It is a decaying and darkening world. If it is a decaying and a darkening world, it needs both the penetration of salt and the illumination of light. Why does God begin with the Beatitudes? Because he knew that these amazing virtues, eight of them, would so pull them up above the world, would so set them on a, on a hill, basically, that they would be such powerful preserving agents, light giving agents, that they would make such a difference. Because this world is, folks, this world is basically insane. It was crazy and dysfunctional 2,000 years ago, and it is even more so today. But these people would be standouts, they would shine like LED lights. The Lord is emphasizing to this and them that it is very likely that the people you are around, you will be the only light those people will ever know. You'll be the only Bible that they will ever read. You are, as one person said, a sermon in shoes. Christ has no hands but our hands to do his work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men in his way. He has no tongues but our tongues to tell men how he died. He has no help but our help to bring them to his side. We are the only Bible the careless world will read. We are the sinner's gospel. We are the scoffer's creed. We are the Lord's last message given in word and deed. What if the type is crooked? What if the print is blurred? What if our hands are busy with work other than his? What if our feet are walking where sin's allurement is? What if our tongues are speaking of things his lips would spurn? How can we hope to help him and hasten his return? Yes, we are God's sermon to this world. We are the light that people get an understanding of. There are four key facts, I believe, in this passage that we will leave ourselves with this morning. First of all, the reality of the situation. You cannot read this passage without recognizing there is a very grim reality, and that is a dark world. Verse 14, ye are the light of the world. (laughs) Why do we need light? Well, because the world is dark. It is a city set on a hill. As believers, we are set there on a hill, and we cannot hide. A simple but profound reality is where there's a need of light, there is, in fact, darkness. Jesus came to these people and he said, there's absolutely no question, certainly nobody can dismiss the fact that we are living in a decadent, dark, evil world. And it's only gonna get worse. Can you imagine those words? Jesus looking out there saying, folks, we are in a dark time. We need people to be the light, to bring the light. And that friend was 2,000 years ago. You remember what our Lord said in Matthew chapter 24? Matthew chapter 24, verse number 37. Here, towards the final earthly hours of our Lord's human ministry, he walks out of the temple for the last time, by the way. He gathers his disciples together within a view of this amazing edifice, and he delivers a message that was just so countercultural for the day, so strange. He said, and they wanted to know what the future holds. He said, you want to know what the future holds? Well, I can't give you any specifics as to time and hour when it all happens. But here's what I'll tell you. And look what he says in verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, as the days of Noah, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. The days of Noah. What were the days of Noah like? Well, We're given that in Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 5. And God saw the wickedness, the darkness of man. Not his creation, but humanity with our sinful natures was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Folks, I mean, you can't get it anymore. Clear and plain and in a sense depressing than that. Only evil continually, always thinking. Have you ever seen or listened to some people and you thought, I don't think anything ever good comes from that person? Well, while we can't judge a specific person, we can say that that certainly is a possibility. It is a possibility that people Don't ever think about anything good. Only evil continually. Now I will say this. The days of Noah are today. We are living in the days of Noah. The very idea that you can take a baby from the womb up until the point of its full term birth, including a live birth take a syringe, stick it in the base of that skull, of that precious little baby, inject a deadly poison, and call that a medical procedure? Can you only imagine the pain that that little baby must feel? And if you swallow the Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor's lie, she would have us believe that any recoiling of the baby is only involuntary like uh, just it means nothing my friend that is an absolute lie that is a lie from the pit that is evil that is exactly what the bible says there these are the days of noah we are living in the days of spiritual darkness we are living in an evil day when mankind will do that spiritual darkness that is based on mankind's Hatred of the truth of God. That's what it means. Darkness means people who refuse the light of Scripture. That's exactly what Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 19. The way of the wicked is as darkness. Darkness. I mean, they wake up dark. They live dark. They go to bed dark. Only evil continually as Genesis six says. And they're so ignorant, Solomon says, look at the last part of that verse. They know not at what they stumble. They are so ignorant, they have this, this illogical way of going about life and perspective on everything that's just like they don't even realize how absolutely crazy and insane they're talking. That's because they have no idea of what they stumble at. They have no idea about truth. They could have. They've just chosen not to. That's why Paul told the wonderful church of Philippi, in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15, he said, Brothers and sisters, you are the sons of God. You are the children of God. And you are living in the midst, right smack dab in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Let me say that again. A crooked and a perverse nation. Right smack in the middle, I have placed you there in the middle of a crooked and a perverse state, of a perverse nation. What is your job? Among whom ye shine as lights. You are going to be lights to this crooked and wicked world. And that about says it right there, folks. People in every nation need the light of God. What is the light of God? It's scripture. But it's more specific than even than that. It is not only scripture, but the Bible tells us it is God in the person of Christ. Look what it says in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 verse 78 you may know a little bit about this story. John the Baptist's father was a man by the name of Zacharias. He received a messenger from God during his wife's pregnancy, and as a result of that meeting with God, he actually was unable to speak for months. Actually, when he did finally speak, notice what he said, and I'm a match. The first things out of his mouth, by the way, The first things out of my mouth when I can speak in the morning ought to be about Jesus. Look what he says in verse 78. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. Who is this day spring or the first dawning of the day that springs forth? Who is that? That is Jesus. What does he do? He gives light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. Hallelujah, when Jesus comes into our heart, he is like, a, like the dawning of a new day. I have a new thought process. God has called us, as it says in this verse, to use our feet in the path of peace to those that sit in darkness. Let's go and tell those that sit in darkness they can have a new life. It's amazing what happens when you light the path. It's amazing when you hang a lantern for somebody else in their darkness, all of a sudden it catches hold. Benjamin Franklin was one of our founding fathers. He lived in Philadelphia for a time and he wanted to interest people in street lighting. He did something, however, quite unique in that he did not call a town meeting. What did he do? He went out there and hung a lantern on a long bracket in front of his house he kept the polish, the glass all polished and carefully trimmed the wick every evening so that people, as they would walk by the house, could see. Soon others began to realize, hey, this is a great idea. It is much more safe. It is wonderful to have light where we're walking. And all of a sudden, they began to have those lights. And pretty soon, they voted as a city to have lights there in their town. That is us, folks. We're that one light in the neighborhood who maybe hangs out alive, who is the light, and all of a sudden, others begin to catch it. And before long, it spreads. That's what God wants us to do, is to let Jesus shine, because it is a dark, dark world, and they are stumbling. Let's give them the light. The reality of this situation, a dark world. Number two, the requisite of saints. What is required of us? in light of a dark world that is an open declaration that's what's required of us we must openly we can't hide the light look at verse 14 you are the light of the world a city on a hill cannot be hid. verse 16 let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father light your world shine for jesus the duty of the church of Jesus Christ is to offer the message of salvation. I can't make them receive it. I can't demand that they receive it. But I'll tell you one thing, I can sure give it to them. I can sure lay it before them. I can sure offer it to them. Then it's up to them, however, wherever, whomever. God wants us to do more than just sit around in church and talking to each other. Now, that's a good thing. I mean, nothing wrong with Fellowshipping and having a great time. But, folks, God has called us to be a light to the world. That's what Paul commended his fellow believers in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, Brothers and sisters, God has commanded the light to shine out of darkness. It is a command. Amen. It's not just a, a thing we should do if we have time. It is a command every day to try to shine in the darkness. Why? Because he shined in our hearts. Therefore, let's give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. How do we do that? By putting the focus on Jesus Christ. They'll see God when they see Jesus. Because in Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Just stop and consider how that God has changed your life. Think about the light that has come into your mind. And remember... One brother here, not too long ago, said, "Pastor," and he started laughing. He said, "I remember the first time I was in your office, and you asked me uh, if I believed, if I was die, I would go to heaven." And I went off on some crazy thing where I talked about, you know, the comets and the space. And he started laughing. He said, "How did you ever put up with me?" And I laughed. I said, "Well, I knew you were just in darkness, but when he got saved." He just so transformed, he is such a happy Christian now. And he'll he'll say these words to you, he'll say, I'm telling you what, radically different. Just radically, another brother sent me an email and he said, the very thing I used to make fun of Christians, he said, I'm doing now myself. He said, I can't believe the transformation that comes. Folks, when light comes into your spirit, it changes your mind. Jesus floods our hearts, And the instant it does, we get light and we see things so differently. The old gospel singer Stanton Gabbett maybe said it the best. Things are different now. Something happened to me. When I gave my heart to Jesus, things are different now. I was changed. It must be. When I gave my heart to him, things I loved before have passed away. Things I love far more have come to stay. And I will tell you this morning, I look out here and I just see it on your face. Thank you, by the way, for most of you who are encouraging me with your beautiful faces and your encouraging uh, eyes there. And some of you, I know you're trying to wake up still, but, uh, but I will tell you, there is a joy in your spirit. There is a love in your heart and it is coming through. I mean, it's just leaking out of you. The Bible says you cannot hide a city on a hill. It's impossible. At nighttime, when they light those little lights, it is impossible. Folks in the Holy Land at the time of our Lord, most of those villages were built on the faces or on the top of the little hills. There was a reason for that. It was a semi-arid climate, hot often in the daytimes. And so in the evening time, if they were going to catch any breeze, they needed to be up a bit. And it was also more helpful to defend against any enemy and when the night came they would open up all the doors all of the windows and of course they wanted to see what was going on and so they would light these little lamps and so if you were afar off and you were traveling you were coming down a road hoping to maybe find a place to stay they didn't have motel sixes you'd have to come upon somebody's house and knock on it and hopefully they would let you stay there with them but when you would look off you would see a city a town we would call it a village in scripture they would see it and oh there is a city it can't be hid because in the dark of those those uh, rural areas when those just even one little candle one little tiny little candle in their homes would be able to be seen imagine what it would be like if you saw more than one in a home or if there was 10 homes or 100 homes or 500 homes you cannot hide a city so many lights that everybody knows we're open for business by the way that's why i thank god for the home church here folks everybody knows we're open for business we are not some mason secret society where you have to say some little words to get in we're not some muslims where only a certain kind of attire and then only men could come in we're not pagans with our mysteries And Initiation writes, no, we are a city set on a hill where everybody is welcome to come to the home church. We don't have fences and barbed wire, folks. Come on in. You are welcome. And those of you that might be following online here, everybody is welcome. And I am so grateful, by the way, uh, this last week our maintenance uh, team put this beautiful lights up. If that's our out in front of our church there, by the way. If you haven't been by here at nighttime, you talk about a city set on a hill. I mean, we. someone said, I saw that thing in Lodi. <laughs> I was coming down the road there. 1,000 feet of frontage here on West Lane. And strangely, God put it right on a curve so that when you're coming down either way, north or south, you have to look at the church the whole time. And uh, I thank God. And... Uh, Folks, we, you talk about a city set on a hill. And uh, people say, well, they're just doing secret, No secrets of the home church, I will tell you. Everything we do is out there and in front. And that's what Jesus told Pilate. He said, I've done nothing in secret. Everything I've ever said or done is very open. You can look at it all. A city set on a hill. The reality of the situation, a very dark world. The requirement of the saints, the requisite, we must openly declare, number three, now the risk, the terrible risk of secrecy, a, a, a sad loss of opportunity. Now he lays bare the sad truth, the high cost of failure, and the likeliness that so many people don't, are not the light that they ought to be. Look what it says, verse 15. Neither do men light a candle, put it under a bushel, on a candlestick and it giveth light into all that are in the house. Folks, light is only good if people can see it. Light put in a place where nobody is, it does no good. My dear wife and I, Pauline, were at Lowe's not long ago and she wanted to look at some lighting for the house. And so we went to the lighting section and I was really surprised how many lights there are available to put in your house. I mean, there were hundreds of them. It was overwhelming for me. and We were looking here and there. Reminds me of a couple that was shopping at Christmas mall on Christmas Eve. It was packed. A wife was walking through the mall and was surprised to look up and see that her husband was nowhere around. She was a little upset because there's so much to do and she needed him. And so she called him on her cell phone and said, where are you? In a calm voice, he said, honey. You remember that jewelry store we went into about five years ago? And you remember that place, that beautiful diamond necklace that you fell in love with, but I told you we couldn't afford it, but I told you that one day I would get that for you? The wife choked up and started to cry and say, yes, I remember that jewelry store. He said, well, I'm in the sports store right next to that. And... um, That was uh, Pauline and I at Lowe's. (laughs) Where are you? (laughs) Oh, there's too many lights here. But let's imagine for a moment that I bravely hung in there and we bought a light and took it home. And then after that light, she had it there and I just went over and put a blanket on top of it. She would say, we spend so much time and effort and then you just put a blanket on the light. Folks, Jesus said, don't Take a basket or a, some sort of cover and put it over your, uh, your, your candle there. He said, that would be silly. That'd be terrible. A lost opportunity. In those days, they used a small terracotta lamp. They have a little spout at one end and a handle at the other. There was oftentimes a little wick there. and They would light that. They'd fill it up with oil and it would burn. It would burn as long as the oil was there. Now, it would be unthinkable unless you're wanting to go to sleep and you don't want any light. Then go ahead and put it out. But the fact of the matter is, it is made to give the light. That's why that amazing woman in Proverbs chapter 31, that virtuous woman as she's called, it says in verse 18, her candle goeth not out by night. She was on the duty. She was on job, conscientious enough even to get up in the middle of the night to relight that candle so that there will be light to others, are we? Do we get up in the middle of the light so that we can be a blessing to others, to give light to others? In the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord is calling for a new viewpoint. He is saying, folks, you have lived in darkness so long, you have been under the oppression of these Roman colonizers for so long, you have been under the oppression of this religious group for so long, it is time to be a light to this community. They need hope. They need joy. They need your light. And that's why in verse 16, he emphasizes your. There is an emphasis in that statement. Let your light. No, 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 no. Don't put it off on your friend. Don't put it off on the community. Don't put it off on the group. Your light. Where you are, you're a little clay pot. But wherever you are, just shine your light. How will I do that? notice what it says, that they may see your good works and you will so shine. You will so shine. Don't hide your testimony. Now tomorrow you're going to get up and maybe some of you will go to work with some of your people you work with and, excuse me, go to lunch with some of the people you work with. When you do that, will you bow your head and pray or will you be ashamed to make a stand for the Lord? Man, when you're in line this week and You're there. Will you be angry or will you have a good attitude? Folks, the day you were born again, you got lit. You got lit. Lit up. Folks, we are lit up by the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to shine for the Lord. Now, notice what he says. You are to give out good works. Now, you say, well, what does this mean? Uh, It doesn't mean I'm supposed to wear a LED necklace and have a little sign on in there that says, I picked up trash this week on West Lane. No. Or I served soup at the Salvation Army. Now, both of those things are good. Now, don't get me wrong. I think they're great things. But what does it mean to let people see our good works? The word good there is the Greek word kalos. It is the word for beautiful, actually. It is, means something uh, easy to look at, we might say. Something well put together, something just very nice, beautiful. God wants us to be so beautiful and seemly and good looking, in a sense, that they just say, wow, that's just so attractive. That's, the poss- that's what it's talking about there. You'd say, well, is that speaking about me? No, it's actually not speaking about me. A little boy asked, his daddy, daddy? How tall am I? The dad said well son I I don't know maybe four and a half feet he said well daddy how tall is Jesus he said well I really wouldn't know maybe six feet maybe he was six feet tall he said well dad if I'm four and a half feet tall and Jesus is six feet tall and if Jesus is in me won't he stick out of me (laughs) and the answer is yes he really does he sticks out if We are beautiful for the Lord. It's the beauty of the Lord that sticks out. When we have the attitudes of Jesus and we have the actions of Jesus, people aren't saying, oh, Tim is wonderful. They're saying, no, Jesus is wonderful. You remember what happened when Deacon Stephen, that wonderful preaching deacon, that man of God, Acts chapter six and verse number 15, you may remember that he, uh, he got beat down because he was such a great witness for the Lord and they hated him for it because he was constantly telling them to accept Jesus Christ. He was the Messiah. That Judaism, that false Judaism didn't like that. Look what it says in verse 15. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, this is the council before they stoned him, it says, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. I mean to tell you, it was just shining. Now, they didn't say, boy, Stephen sure got a wonderful face there. They were saying, man, it's like an angel. It's like, there's God in that man. Now, I do not believe that Stephen went out to a face shining seminar. That's, I don't think that's what he did. He just woke up in the morning. He got so full of God that he just glowed all day long. I mean, he was just glowing for the Lord. folks. We need to rise up early, not even miss a day. Pop open your heart's gas tank, put in the nozzle of the word of God in prayer, and you are allowed to top it off, and it'll just overflow everywhere. That's what God wants us to do. Find the light and be the light. You'd say, well, I'm not that important. I'm just a common light, folks. It's not how fancy we are. It's how useful we are. What's the most important thing? light in the house is it the beautiful chandelier that we have in our entryway no it is not that light it is the light that's over the steps so that we don't trip and fall it's not my ornamentation it's my location just be the light wherever we are don't lose one opportunity to have a good attitude and shine jesus out let the jesus that is in you just come out let him stick out all over The reality of the situation, very dark world. The requirement of each of us as saints is an open declaration. The risk of our secrecy is very high. A great lost opportunity. Thank God, number four, there is a reason why we do all this. And that is to glorify God. The overarching single purpose of shining the light is to glorify our Father who is in heaven. God gets all the glory that your light so shine before men, verse 16, that he may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Just glorify the Father which is in heaven. Notice the word Father. It is standing up for God. It is glorifying the Lord. It is amazing what happens when we get the understanding that I represent God. I represent, Represent Jesus today wherever I go. And because of that, I want to be a good example. You know, they've done a study on, and you may have seen this, I'm sure you have. Most delivery trucks have the name of the company, or at least the de- name of the delivery company, on it. They do that for a reason. They also have found on the back, if they'll put the words, uh, How's my driving? call you know the number they found that it actually helps the drivers be more respectful be better drivers take care of the van and so forth however they did a study and found that when a a a van or a truck is unmarked let's say just a plain white they they don't take care of the vehicle nearly as good they're more rude as drivers but when we are everybody knows who we are you know where I'm going with this illustration that when we bear the marks of our Lord when we have him plastered all over us when they know we're Christians folks it makes a difference just imagine what would happen if we had a sticker on our back that said how's my living how am I doing how am I driving call the Lord (laughs) tell the Lord boy it would make such a difference folks if we would realize that we are here to represent the Lord. The word Christian, my friend, is not just a noun, it is a verb. It is, means that we are supposed to be Christ ones. We are to be living for Christ. Now there are three ways I believe our church ought to be a light for God. And I would like to remind us as we come into this great season how important this is. I believe first of all the church must stand for truth. The church must stand for truth. Why is that? Because as it says in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 that the church of the living God. He is a living God. He's not just some dead concept on a piece of paper, some religion, no. It is the church of the living God. Be careful about how you treat the church of the living God. The pillar and the ground of the truth the ground what does the ground do the ground simply supports something we're not the ones who uh, create the truth we're not the ones who uh, make the truth we just support the truth we hold the truth it doesn't say that the colleges are the pillar and ground of the truth. It doesn't say that Christian schools are the pillar and the ground of the truth. It doesn't say that as a person. No, it says the church job is to be the pillar and ground of the truth. Folks, that is an absolutely unique calling that we have been given to give out the truth. Now, if we're going to give out the truth, which is the light, then we're going to be by its very nature pitted against the darkness. It would be sinfully negligent then for any church to remain passive when the rivers of godless misinformation, relentless media propaganda flow like a polluted river. I got an email not too long ago. Hear it now and then. The church is becoming too political. I will tell you, you hear me clear, and I hope there's no misunderstanding. Since when is it wrong for a church, which is a moral institution, to hold up the Bible and to influence people towards a viewpoint that aligns people with biblical principle? When did that become wrong? I'm telling you, folks, that is craziness. Too political? No, what you mean is it's not your politics. That's what you really mean. This past year, our government, Exploited fear in order to justify for the first time in American history the banning of public worship indefinitely. All while they said it's perfectly fine for bars, strip clubs, marijuana dispensaries, casinos to remain open, they allowed rioters to gather and express their moral outrage of what was going on. Folks, I'm telling you, as God's people, the church will not and must not ever be silenced or marginalized. They, we, this is the day we need to stand for truth as never before. And in a day when truth is being falling in the streets, our church must stand for truth because there's no place else that's going to be given. None. The church must stand for truth. Not only must the church stand for truth, but the church must rejoice in hope. What is the only group that gives hope to a community? It's the church. (laughs) It is people who've been given rejoicing in hope. As it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, the mark of a faithful church is to rejoice in hope. What was the one thing that characterized those first century Christians was hope was joy, was happiness, was a lack of fear. We'll kill you. Okay. Well, we'll burn you at the stake. Not what I want, but all right. They did not fear death. And yet today in our world, perpetual fear is now normal. Perpetual fear is not only normal, it is considered noble. And for many Christians... Life is all about avoiding risk. And I'm sure to some, they read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, all those wonderful Christians who many burned at the state, who many were so terribly persecuted. To them, they are labeled as reckless. But I remind you as Christians, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15, ye have not received the spirit of bondage to fear. You have received the spirit in fact, it's gotten so bad in our country right now. Church is so fearful that this a couple weeks ago, I read of some prominent church leaders who are now considering to forbid people to come to church if they cannot show proof of vaccination. Yeah. Folks, I will tell you, when did it become the best choice to be so fearful? We are people of hope. And that's why I thank God for the people of the home church. You are a happy and holy bunch. I mean, not reckless, just ready to serve God and to be the light. You'd say, well, what if you die? Hallelujah. You're not going to scare me with heaven. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> amen. Wow. All right, folks, we must stand for truth and we must rejoice in hope. Away with the fear. Let's stand for God. And then Number three, the church must gather in faith. You'd say, well, I'm part of the church. Really? Not if you don't gather. Now, you may be certainly a believer. That's very possible. Good thing. And for some who, of course, have medical conditions, you just for a time cannot do that. That's understandable. But folks, the very word church is the Greek word ekklesia. It comes from two words, kaleo, "ek." Called out and assembled together. And we know what Scripture says about that. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, You must not forsake assembling. Regardless of what the king says, regardless of what the emperor says, regardless of what the masters say, regardless of what the community says, you must not refuse to assemble. That is the important thing. And in fact, so much the more as you see the day approaching. By the way, did you know that that verse, Hebrews 10:25, is right positioned right before the most serious warning on apostasy in Scripture? You read the following verses? God says it is a fearful falling away, And I believe one of the reasons we fall away is because we do not come together. Now it is no surprise why it's the socialist crowd? And the so-called Q, whatever, it's just nothing but sin. It makes no difference what the abortionists say. <clears throat> they don't want us to be together. Why do they want us to be separated? Because they don't want a man in a pulpit that they can't control. And if it's online, you can control it. They'll stop it. But bless God, it's not going to happen in here. It won't happen in here. That's why you assemble. That's why you come together. Because there's no other place the truth is. Where are you going to get somebody that stands up, gets the Bible up, and just says it like it is? No place except in church. That's why you need to go to church. That's why you need to be in the assembly. Because you will hear light. And it will bring light to your soul. You've been fed so much darkness. You walk into a store and they're playing wicked music. You don't even know it. But these subliminal messages are going constantly. You go to the Starbucks. You see things. You see signs. You, we read things. All day long, we get darkness, darkness, darkness. And if you're not careful, we begin to believe it. I mean, there are people that just swallow all this stuff, hook, line, sinker. But when you come inside of a church house... All of a sudden, the light comes. I feel so much lighter. <laughs> I feel so much different. Folks, for 250 years, God-fearing Americans have gathered together and withstood every conceivable plague, every conceivable condition. Now is not the time to forsake our message. God said so much the more. It's not the time to forsake our mission so much the more. It's not the time to forsake our method or our ministry. So much the more. In fact, Paul, if he's the human author of Hebrews, he said, So much the more. When they say stop, that just is my vote to go even more. So much the more. We've got to join our hands together, go out into the fields of sin. And the fields of sin have so many people that are lost, like those. Children that I began as I took, spoke about at the beginning folks I don't know what is ahead for us, but I hope you're listening the days in America are not like they've ever been I don't know what to expect in the future But I can recall what it says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 4 ye have not resisted unto blood striving against sin yes, thankfully Most of us have not had to be beaten, be martyred for the faith, but that doesn't mean it won't happen in the future. Folks, the only difference our community has is God-fearing people and God-fearing churches who gather together, who won't be intimidated and who won't be marginalized and who will speak the truth and will bring the light lovingly, happily, joyfully getting out there now folks i need to ask you all of us to do what we can there are people lost in the wheat fields of this world and at least we can get the light and go search for them this week and the up, this whole season is the greatest season in the history of our church folks get out there and get outside of our comfort zone get those little tickets get a handful of them Turn them over, show them the little ticket side, and say, here are some amazing tickets to a tremendous, uh, like a Broadway musical. It's, it's all down here at the home church. It's just fantastic. Bring your whole family. I love to give them to young men and young women. And I used to tell them, I love to tell them, bring your significant other. And they smile. And I say, especially to the young men, I said, she'll love you if you do this. And uh, folks, tell them because Jesus is the light and he makes a difference. Historian Philip Schaff said this. This Jesus of Nazareth, without money and arms, conquered more millions than Alexander, Caesar, Mohammed, and Napoleon. Without science, he shed more light on things human and divine than all the philosophers and scholars combined. Without the eloquence of schools, he spoke such words of life that were never spoken before or since and produced effects which lie beyond the reach of orator or poet. Without writing a single line, he set more pens in motion and furnished themes for more sermons, orations, and discussions. Learned volumes, works of art, and songs of praise and the whole army of great men of ancient and modern times. And just imagine We get the privilege of emblazoning ourselves with his name. I am a follower of Christ, an unashamed follower of Jesus. I want to live every day so that others might see the beauty of Jesus just coming out of me. Fill up every day, folks. Don't miss a day. Get up and read your Bible. Pray. It doesn't have to be long. But don't even miss a day. Because you don't want to miss a day of being that light having a good attitude, inviting people, praying. You can always preach. say, well, they're stubborn. You can pray. You can invite. We can do something about this. Others are following. Let's make a difference. Our heads are bowed. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www. Dot thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at the Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.